Good evening. I am here with Border Lions. I'm Steve Collins, and I'm very um, pleased to say we have got a special guest on tonight. Um, obviously, we've been doing a lot of Lions chat in pre-season, um, but we've been doing a special series on Northern Battlegrounds, teams in the NFC North, talking to the, the enemy, and we have the top of the tree in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, um, Stephen O'Brien, a.k.a. Steve Diddy from the UK and Irish Packers, here to talk some football tonight. How are you doing, man? Not so bad. You can tell you're kind of into journalism because you're trying to be objective. I think you objectively know the Lions. Struggle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just we, struggle. The shot's fired early. I mean, you know. Oh, the... you have to go and feed first. We were all civil in pre-production, but mm. the minute the camera comes on, I'm like a different guy. I'm only messing. Look, it's, I've, got loads to, I've got loads to say about your team. God damn it. I see the MCDCT, you know, Dan Campbell. There's a guy who gives a good sound bite. Why don't you get him on instead of me? Jesus. I mean, if you want a wrestling promo done, I think he's your guy. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm repping Big Dan tonight. I'm drinking mm. the Kool-Aid for Big Dan. How long this T-shirt will last for the season, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You tend to get coaches up there with a good rep and then destroy them when they come running back out. But anyway, do we want to talk Packers? Thanks for having me on um, to talk yeah. all things Packers. No cool. Yeah, so do, do you want to just start by just for us Lions fans watching who, who maybe don't know you, give us a, a bit of a quick intro about yourself and the, and the UK and Irish Packers. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm at Steedy the NFL. Not that any of your followers will follow me because the Lions fans um, on Twitter at UK Packers. So the group has been going since 2013. So basically, it's the UK and Irish Packers fan group. Um, you know, the largest in the UK, the largest in the world, in fact, and that's coming from the Packers themselves, may I add. Um, so yeah, it's been a fun ride. Started off as a Twitter account. Um, like anybody else, look, your Lions supporters will know. Um, you know, they're sitting in their living room. They're supporting the Lions. You know, Matt Stafford, uh, may he rest in peace. You know, throws an unbelievable pass, and they're jumping up and down and, and delighted, and they've no one to share it with. So that's basically what our group is: is a bunch of Packer fans all smushed together. So what do we offer? And um, well, we have the website ukpackers.co.uk. We do an annual trip to Lambeau Field, uh, which we have multiple fans. We've had Lions, Saints fans, um, over with us as well. We do a podcast uh, like yourself. It's bi-weekly during the season. It's once a week, even in the off season, uh, which has been very entertaining. Uh, over the last off season, never usually happens. Usually tumbleweed stuff like let's take a look at history. What happened in 1934? And um, whereas, you know, more to talk about uh, for better or for worse. Um, yeah. And just we do raffles for signed March and stuff like that. And you, it's all just about connecting fans here in the UK and Ireland. Uh, the Packers took interest a couple of years ago and come over and did a couple of documentaries on us and went around and filmed the trip that we went on. Mm -hmm. So like there's some really surreal stuff that's happened um, to the group. Um, the only thing that hasn't happened yet, Steve, is they haven't come to London yet so boohoo uh, but we have spoke to mark murphy on the podcast the packers president he's explained all of that so if anybody's interested uh to see do the packers hate their fans in the uk no they don't hate their fans <laughs> and they come out and meet us when we go over so that's basically uh who we are so a packers equivalent probably to you and the lads um so and we of course i'm there for a joint meetup if you want to have a meetup and we can all be cordial and you know you see the way i agree to stuff like that when i know our team's gonna win that's all i'm saying <sighs> 
We shall see. We shall see. So yeah, we're um, now. The, the, now the dust settled, um, mm. we, I, I think we've got a few big topics to talk about. But first of all, let's just rewind back to last season. Probably, you yeah. know, you've had a bit of time to to reflect on, you know, on, on the kind of results on the pitch and, and it kind of how it all ended up. So what are your kind of like reflections now that a bit of time's passed on last season? Um, it was an odd one in the sense that, you know, leading up to Matt LaFleur's uh, arrival in Green Bay, you know, you would have seen it as a Lions fan, especially that last year we struggled big time. Um, our roster has improved. You know, we have the Smith brothers, Adarius Smith, Preston Smith. Um, you know, Devontae Adams keeps making strides. The main difference really was Matt LaFleur enters the building and he creates allegedly, you know, this style of play that works off the play action. Um, the dependence on Rodgers seemingly might not be that important anymore and it's a more balanced offense. We saw that in year one and then last year we just saw the emergence even more of that happening. We saw Aaron Rodgers buy in and everybody buy in. They bought in so much that Preston Smith this year um, for us has taken a massive pay cut to stay. Um, and he, the reason he said he's done it is because he believes in the team. So last year just really solidified Matt LaFleur's uh, reputation, I guess, for being a stellar play caller, the way he drafts up plays. Um, we kind of win sometimes in spite of the defense, even though we saw flashes there. Um, and it was a brilliant season. It sort of, you know, solidified the thing of like, well, this isn't a fluke now. Now, what I would say is if you want to get really granular, you can look into DVOAs um, and you can see the strength of schedule and stuff like that. And that did fall in our favor without a doubt. Also yeah, yeah. injuries. We were lucky there. Um, so look, Steve, I believe in the team. Uh, the team believes in the team, both the players and the staff. And they've tried to, what I, I hear this phrase, run it back. So they've tried to bring back most of the key components, uh, being Aaron Jones, uh, signing David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark. You know, like they've made an awful lot of splashes in the offseason that don't count as splashes to people because they want the, the sexy name, wide receivers and all this type of stuff. When I think we've brought back the team. So last year was a good building block. Do, do you think it took 12 months to kind of blow off the cobwebs of like Mike McCarthy? Yeah, like it takes time to install and bed down. It takes time to buy in as well. I mean, there's an awful lot of talk, wasn't there, about would Rodgers even get along with LaFleur, LaFleur being yeah. so young and being inexperienced. He'd only actually played call for Tennessee for one year. Um, so, you know, we've seen it all come to a head with Rodgers, and I know we have to talk about that. Uh, absolutely, we do. Um, but, you know, all this time, Rodgers has been disgruntled almost behind the scenes, the stuff that he's not happy about. Um, so it was really on a knife edge. And I think as much as he gets derided for his decisions that he made and there's all of this sort of rumors about Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst, the GM, going at each other, I think Gutekunst has actually done a pretty solid job of getting good character players in. Like even look at Rashan Gary, the first round pick. Uh, you know, they get him in, he's raw. But that guy, I mean, the videos he puts out on social media should win him awards alone. He's a hard worker. Preston Zalaria Smith says he's going to take a massive leap up this time around. So they found this really sweet spot of getting uh, the right players at the right time in the right prime of their career with the right attitude and buy-in with the right coach. Now, we all know that doesn't last, Steve. Um, if you look at the Seahawks, for instance, they had the Legion of Boom, and you know that was a dynasty. We've time now, at least this year, that we know Aaron is, is under contract. He's under contract for the next couple of years, but this year is really the telltale year where, you know, it could get messy next year. But if there's any year that they could go to the dance, um, it could be this year before stuff yeah. starts to dismantle a little bit, maybe. You, so I, th I think like the Packers reminded me a little bit last year of like a Spurs team. So, you know, like Spurs can like absolutely dismantle anyone on their day. Mm -hmm. 
But when they play the top four, they always kind of seem to like struggle to get the result. And if you mm. look at the, the games that you lost, I think you lost against the Bucks quite early on. Somehow you managed to lose a game to the Vikings. I'm not sure what, what happened there. I think you lost to like a really good Colts team mm. um, who I think kind of like fell off as the season went, maybe because of injuries. But so it seemed like when you, and, and then obviously like, you know, what we know what happened in the, in the playoffs. Do you think that like the Packers were a bit like flat track bullies or do you, do you genuinely think that it was just kind of like coming up against a very good Bucks team in the NFC that was kind of like did for you? No, we could have beat them. I mean, easy. Like Kevin King solely gave up that play at the end of the first half hmm. to Miller, uh, which killed us. Um, we got three interceptions, uh, fumble recoveries in the second half, and we could have put them away. Um, like, look, it, it's like if you look at that NFC Championship game, and I'll never forget it against the Seahawks that we lost back in how many years ago? Is it now six years? Mm-hmm. If you look at that game, for instance, you watch a plane, uh, watch one of those things, uh, air crash, aviators, whatever, right? And you look at when a plane crashes, okay? It's never because the pilot fell asleep or, you know, the, the gear stick broke. I mean, it's never something simple. It's always a, a, a cataclysmic, uh, you know, a series of unfortunate combining. events. Yeah, it's, it's one thing stacks up yeah. after the other, right? You look at that NFC Championship game, same deal. You look at that game against the Bucks, same deal. If you look at all the games that we lost, uh, key components for us uh, were either injured or all of them had a bad game together. I remember being on radio and I was constantly being asked to do this ACA, this, you know, who's going to yeah. win. And it's when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl that time. And if you looked at every game and you, sometimes you can overanalyze stuff. And I remember looking at that Panthers team and every week they were due a loss. For sure, because they were not that good a team. And it all unraveled in the Super Bowl, the worst time to do it. But if you actually look at all of those individual games, every single game, somebody different stepped up for that team. Now, it was always two or three players. But, you know, all of a sudden, their third string wide receiver had 700 yards in the game. So if you look at that game we lost, I don't think the Packers were pretenders. I will acknowledge that our strength of schedule sometimes was a lacking. So when you look at it, we look better than we did. However, you can only play who's up, who you're up against and who's in front of you. You know, you can't. If you go out golfing with someone, it's not your fault that they're not as good as you. Um, so the Packers, and again, I always needle out whether or is what we is what we're seeing legit, right? Rogers was an MVP for a reason. I will admit also that there was kind of a campaign to get him the MVP with the Pat McAfee show and all this type of stuff, but he did earn it because look at his stats. Um, and then it didn't help Patrick Mahomes where he had a few kind of mediocre games for his standard, which kind of yeah. pushed Rogers to the front of the queue. I get all of that kind of stuff. But to your question, in a very long-winded way, uh, the Packers <laughs> were the number one scoring offense. They were the number one scoring offense with... Oh, by quite, like, a, quite a way. Quite Wasn't a way, even like close, Mark, yeah. No, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, and then, you know, they got injured and suffered their injuries. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones was catching passes like nobody's business. The team is legit, and it's legit because of the, the system that LaFleur has put in. Mm-hmm. Is and, and again, it only works with Rodgers, of course. You know, and like again, you can try, they're trying to get away from that dependence. That's easy to see. Um, but yeah, I think the Packers team is legit. However, our downfall has always been the likes of special teams. And we keep defensive coordinators longer than we should have. We kept on capers for about five years. You know, Passy's expiry, um, no disrespect to him. You know, he's a legend in his own yeah. right. And Mike Petton, we've made another change with Joe Barry, but will that work, Steve? I've no idea. I, I don't know if that's going to work. You know, I was going to say, it's you, on energy, it will. Because uh, you called out Kevin King, obviously, for the, the big play just before half time in that championship game. Then obviously, yeah. Kevin King, pass interference, I think it, it let them yeah. run the clock down at the end. 
But is that on Kevin King? Because it was no. Mike Pettin that was calling those man coverage plays when he knew yeah. that like he was exposed. It's never one. It's never one player. Now, what you will do is it's situational awareness. Um, but at the end of the day, like Lafleur admitted that he let Petten run with the defense and didn't really get involved, and then Petten admitted that he would let his players have certain freedoms. There's a time and a place, and I never believe that if a kicker misses the field goal, that the game is lost because of your kicker. Because the reason you got to that point in the first place, it's a team sport. It truly is. Now, he didn't cover himself in glory. Um, you know, you could look at that um, pass interference and say they call that one, but they didn't call every other one before that. You know, there's all these excuses you can come up with. Is it solely King's fault? No. But if you actually analyze his, his game, I mean, there was some there was some severe lacking stuff there. When he's And then he can't stay healthy as well. I like him, and I think he's a great player. He's got a good attitude. He has struggled with injuries, but there are some massive brain fart moments on the field. Look at Jair Alexander on the opposite side, for instance, and you don't see that same stuff. However, he can have a WWE moment where he body slams someone into the ground and gets a penalty for. Um, but yeah, look, there's times to step up in the game, and that was one of them, and he let the, the guy riding behind him. You can't do that. Final thing on um, on last season, um, that, that last sequence of plays when I think they were... Uh, on the eight yard line or the that second mm-hmm. and, second and eight or fourth and no fourth and eight and they called the field goal team up and yeah well just never got back on the field mm-hmm. do you do you think that that's gonna i don't know like undermine the confidence a bit in terms of the fleur's decision making or were you happy no. with, with that that in terms of that how how it went down well are you familiar with why that happens um, and this is an awful lot of things that so well, well, well i think it was because there's you know they've all got like an algorithm somewhere that says you know if you kick the field goal here you've got an x percent of winning rate and if you take you know put the give the ball to rogers then that drops so i think he just mm-hmm. made the call based on that algorithm from from what i, I kind of read mm. like but either way the defense is going to make emotion it whether that's emotionally mm-hmm. the right call to do or not i don't know because obviously it depends whether you believe in momentum yeah, so it's even more granular than that, right? So what happened was, is Rogers had space to run, mm-hmm. and he didn't, right? And he got he's got criticised for that because had he had he ran, he would have definitely picked up five six yards. Now, if he hadn't have, have got it over the line, um, well then he would have got damn close, and that makes your decision on fourth down an awful lot easier. Rogers didn't run because mm-hmm. he assumed that Matt Lafleur was going to run another play on fourth down. Now, bear in mind, the Packers had how many interceptions before that and they couldn't get it done. Yeah. So LaFleur, in LaFleur's head, he's thinking, well, I have guaranteed points and there's a touchdown in it anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? So even if they went in for the touchdown, they still need to get another score. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, LaFleur then was thinking, well, you just can't get it done. The, the offense is misfiring, whether it's the plays he's calling, the plays are running. And I do believe they got down that far on the back of a penalty as well. So they moved the chains based on a penalty, which is how they got that drive moving to where it did, um, as well as a long play. But... Um, yeah, so Rodgers didn't run because he thought, well, have another go with it. LaFleur kicked mm. the field goal because he was never going to go for fourth down if they were that far away. So it was a catch-22. So either way, you take the points now or you go for it, don't get them, and then you're stuck behind. So he went for the field goal thinking that, because remember, his defense up to that point had put them in that position by getting those turnovers. So at that point, your offense isn't scoring. Your defense is coming down with the ball. Who do you give the ball to? Now, again, you can sort of say, oh, well, you all with, with Rodgers, you stand a chance. He wasn't getting it done before that. I'm not blaming him, but I'm just yeah. saying the offense, for some reason, wasn't getting it done. It's completely understandable. And I, I, I actually support the decision to go for the field goal. 
Um, it's the same criticism McCarthy came under on that NFC Championship game because we're like, oh, if we just scored touchdowns there and went for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal, there was bigger problems because we were putting up points and we were well ahead in that game. And similarly with this game, of course they should have taken the points. The defense were on fire. Then you have the DPI and then the game unravels, you know, and that's where it's all these fine margins in the end. But it doesn't undermine uh, Matt LaFleur at all. And mm-hmm. he's a guy, I have saw this crap in the media where they're saying like he passes the book. He doesn't pass the book at all. He will never blame anybody else. He's only done it once. And that was that game. He blamed yeah. Petten to say that he shouldn't have done that play. He can't get away with it. And he came out the press conference a couple of days after and put the blame back on himself. So he's a selfless guy. So no, I don't think it impacts him at all. Cool. Um, we've talked enough about last season. Let's move things into the off season. And I just want to do a bit of a scene set here. So I want to take mm-hmm. you back to Cleveland in April. Mm-hmm. So Roger Goodell, the beloved commissioner, you know, he's been locked in his basement for a year. You know, like the, yeah. the draft is his big night, isn't it? It's, it's his big oh, yeah. night. It's the Grammys mm-hmm. for him. So he comes out on the stage. There's the world's media, you know, absolutely should be wrapped, waiting to hear what words are coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought that he was kind of like a bit like Taylor Swift at the Grammys. Oh, here we go. Come on. When, <laughs> With and 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 Rogers was kind of like the Kanye West, just spoiling Taylor's mm. moment. Because when Goodell comes to the stage for the last like, half an hour, the whole of the room seems to be a buzz with looking on their phone, looking on Twitter, looking at the TV screens. Because Rogers has like you know dropped that bombshell that he wants out of Green Bay. Well, it was it Rogers though. I, I think it well, or was it Adam Schefter? Are we putting Rogers as Kanye here, or Adam Schefter as Kanye? It could be Adam Schefter's Kenny, but he's, Schefter's obviously got that info and has decided that he's going to release it at, at that moment. So, you know, it's kind of did overshadow like the whole draft from like a kind of media point of view. Mm-hmm. And you've got to wonder whether, you know, Rogers was somehow maybe pleased that it kind of played out in that dramatic way because it certainly put it at the forefront of everyone's attention, like not just mm-hmm. for the draft night, but for probably the next like two months after that hmm. well I mean how did you how did you feel I mean because I mean I know how I felt as a Lions fan when all the Stafford kind of stuff <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, kicked yeah. off what how, how did you kind of feel from a Packers fan knowing that that kind of stuff was was going on in the background it's very nuanced right um and again I'm an Irishman and I've kissed a Blarney Stone actually I'm married to the Blarney Stone uh, so that's a problem right so I don't <laughs> want to wax too lyrical here um but I think it is important, though, that people understand the context of it. This wasn't new news. This was being reported a couple of months before. So if you kept your eye, now an awful lot of fans, even Packer fans, you know, they will come to, you know, February because we usually play in January, if you know what I mean. Um, so they'll come to January, end of January. Um, and so then fucking they'll... smug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stating facts here. I'm just stating facts. Okay. I know you guys like to take January off and watch football and TV. Uh, but we like to play. So mm-hmm. when it comes to January, Packers fans, even some diehard ones, they'll take the laptop and the iPad and everything else and they'll place it on a large body of water or in the back of a wardrobe and they won't listen to any news, right? But when you're in the business of covering the team, you know, as sort of as we do uh, and yourself and all that kind of stuff, and for the diehard fans that do the same, it's no difference. Um, we look at, so the, the, the Scruntle Rogers has been a thing. Yeah. What was the big drama when Matt LaFleur was coming to town? They said, would he get along with Aaron Rodgers, right? And you'd sort of go, that's conjecture and all that. And all that stuff is conjecture because remember, Aaron Rodgers did not say jack squat when it came to the offseason. So when I was on the podcast talking about, you know, what's Aaron saying and all of this, he didn't say anything. 
Now, that's a very convenient thing to hide behind. I'm not sort of an Aaron Rodgers truther or homer here where anything he does and says we genuflect at the, the altar that is Godgers. Um, I'm not into that. I'm more objective because I have to cover the team objectively um, yeah. for the group and everything else. So I, I can't get the rose-tinted glasses, I understand. Look, Rodgers has been unhappy for a long time. He effectively got Mike McCarthy sacked after the Buffalo game because he criticized him on the podium and Rob Domofsky of ESPN, who covers the Packers and has done since Jesus was a baby. Uh, he's turned around and said, that was his debt. Now, he was walking around the stadium. Basically, there's nothing I can do now because the main man, Aaron Rodgers, who controls the offense. Look, you had a better chance of catching the ball in that last season if you were a fan sitting in the stands than if you were a wide receiver on the pitch because Aaron Rodgers had more throwaways by to the count of like 40 than anybody else. He did not believe in the system anymore and he let it be known. Um, so Aaron Rodgers was disgruntled for a while and Adam Schefter decided on draft day for coverage to come out and just drop that as if it was breaking news. Mm-hmm. He went on with the La Batard show or whatever that show is called. It's, it sounds, it looks rude um, even to say, kind of like the, the Packers GM. People are scared to say it. Um, when you, <laughs> he went on that show and your man said to him, so what information did you get? You know, did Rodgers cap say? On and he said, oh, no, there was no new information. It's just, it was, it was happening for ages. So we just decided to release it. He shamelessly went out and promoted it and has done an awful lot of things. Um, again, he's a massive media insider. He has all the inside knowledge and all that kind of stuff, whatever power to him. This is not some you know, Adam Schefter bash trip, um, although he does uh, time to time have to uh, take the clown makeup off before he goes on live TV because of some of the stuff he comes out with. This was a culmination of a lot of things. Um, if, now, you look, if you look at the, the draft, I think mm-hmm. the, the Packers have picked, in the last 10 picks, they've picked... Nine defensive players in the first round and Jordan Love. Jordan Love's the only offensive player that they've picked in the last 10 first round picks. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, for any quarterback, that has to be seeds of discontent, discontent being sown over a period of time, not just not even going back to Jordan Love pick, but, you know, that's over a period of time, isn't it? Well, Steve, you have a Ferrari in your garage, right? And you can go zero to 60 in minus one seconds. Do you turn around and say that the Ferrari's done you a favor for going that fast? No, you would have, you mortgaged the house to get that Ferrari, right? We, we all know Steve uh, from Road Alliance at the Park. The thing is, you cannot say that a high-powered weapon is doing you a favor by carrying a team. It's what you have it, right? Yeah. So similarly, Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and has put an MVP season on the books, you cannot, I hear this all the time and it drives me insane that Aaron Rodgers carries this team um, yeah, it's because he's Aaron Rodgers. The system is predicated around and Aaron Rodgers, the same as it is with Patrick Mahomes and everybody else. Now, the Chiefs have went out and, and banked on getting a, a team that's absolutely stacked to the hilt. Um, but again, that all comes crashing down. What I would say is, is that it doesn't matter if you draft a wide receiver in the first round, so much so that people can go to iTunes, wherever, and go back and look at our past podcasts. And I've done a whole podcast on where a first, second, third, fourth round, round wide receiver ends up in stat-wise throughout their career. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's, a, it's grisly reading. It's dismal. And the Jake, Packers Jake Kumo even- being a good example. Well, you know, look, the amount of undrafted guys that we've had uh, has been absolutely ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guys that have worked out for us undoubtedly are higher round draft picks. Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, they're all second, third round picks, right? There's no getting away from the fact that if you have a quality caliber player that has proven it in the past, it's really good. But like, look at Alan Lazard, undrafted. 
mm. you know, he did, we, and we didn't even draft him. We got him, I think, from the Lions, actually. Uh, he came in um, from the practice squad. And he's, again, flying high. I mean, the MVS, uh, a guy, a late-round draft pick, uh, he's much maligned because he drops the ball and he shows inconsistency. However, he beats Tyreek Hill. Uh, for passes above a certain yardage. And, yeah. you know, you can look up all the stats, right? We don't need a first-round wide receiver. In fact, when we drafted Jordan Love, who were we going for? Justin Jefferson, you know, in the first round. Who got him? The Vikings. Who did we ask? Could we have that pick, please? The Vikings. What did they say? Jog on. There's no way the NFC North <laughs> were giving you Justin Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. So we went for Justin Jefferson. After he went, we have long-rangey, big-bodied receivers that, to their to the fans' chagrin and to the Packers' top brass, maybe to their detriment, although you could argue the stats that they've put up are very reasonable. They believe in the wide receivers that they have, the MVSs, the ESBs, the Jay Kumaros, the Alan Lazards. They like their tight ends, Josiah Deguara. They use Aaron Jones as a, as a pass catcher. They had Jamal Williams. He was doing a job for us. Jay Sternberger, high draft pick. Uh, Jimmy Graham, we got him in for a while. We all know how that went. They trust the pass catchers that they have. And after Justin Jefferson went, they looked at the draft board and said, none of those wide receivers. And again, I love this as well. Oh, what about Chase Claypool? Oh, yeah. Well, let's get on our 2020 goggles and go back in time when we know what player he is now and go back. And of course, you have the moaners who say, oh, well, I knew he was good back then. Oh, yes. Well, we all know everybody's good. Ryan Leaf was fantastic at the time, too. You know, so there's all of these sort of 20, like, you know, looking back in hindsight, fellas. Well, Justin Jefferson, I mean, I think he was the fifth wide receiver picked in that draft. No one seems to mention, you know, the other four wide receivers that have gone, you know, Judy and C.D. Lamb that have kind of been all right. Been underwhelming. Uh, And that's the thing is that, and look, so there there proves it again. So the amount of wide receivers that did go, and there was a massive gulf after that. You look at the UK Packers draft guide, which is a couple of hundred pages. We release it every single year. And uh, you can still go back and look at the one that we had for that year. And in a little box on quarterback, it said, if he is available in the first round, do not put it past the Packers to select him. The problem with the Packers is, is we draft late. And people are under some impression that, oh, the Packers should have moved up and got Justin Jefferson. They gave up the fourth round pick to go up and get Jordan Love. And they only moved up a couple of spots. How many picks would they have to move up to go up and get Justin Jefferson? And you'd have to give up a first round pick next year, right? There's a whole formula that you have to follow to give up. So you'd have to give away a first round pick. Now, looking back at Jefferson's season, people conveniently say, oh, well, he would have been worth it. Would he? How the hell would they have known that if he wasn't even the first wide receiver pick? So look, first round wide receivers are not the be all and end all. The Packers, Brian Gutekunst's job is predicated on him getting a successor for Aaron Rodgers. Really quickly, and I know you want to move on because you don't want the whole show to be about this, right? Aaron Rodgers was getting injured. He had the collarbone injury. He had the leg injury. Uh, We had a joke, actually, that who's the second best quarterback in the league? It's one-legged Aaron Rodgers because he was playing on one leg for an awful lot of that season. There's that funny quote where the woman uh, reporter asks him after the game, Aaron, like, what's the story with you? What happened? He goes, my knee! Because he's high off his face off painkillers to get him <laughs> back on the field to do his thing. Um, and adrenaline and everything else. But he was obviously getting shots on the side of the field to make that sort of numb the pain, which gave him a bit of a buzz. Um, and he came back out winner. So his play was dipping. At the same time. Now, again, he said on the Pat McAfee show, my dip play is someone else's MVP season, and that's correct. But from a Packers perspective, he was rolling his eyes at the coach, which got him sacked. He was recalling plays. Um, the plays were failing. He was at a losing season. He was throwing the ball up into the stands. His play was dipping because his stats were starting to yeah. sort of slowly decline over time. Um, on top of that, then, there was talk about would he get along with the new coach. He was, he was disgruntled about the whole deal. He was getting injured. 
And the Packers finally, uh, because Justin Jefferson and Jordan Love drops down the draft board, they have a chance to potentially get some sort of a successor. Will he be Aaron Rodgers? Nobody is Aaron Rodgers. He's the first uh, ballot Hall of Famer. You're not going to replace him. Anybody that comes in after Aaron Rodgers is a downgrade from Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. You know that yeah. because you're a Lions fan. So that all makes sense. Why they drafted Jordan Love from a business standpoint absolutely makes sense. Now, what Aaron Rodgers did by threatening to hold out and threatening to retire, that also makes sense because he doesn't want to be a lame ducks quarterback who's sitting there and doesn't have a future and doesn't know where he's going. But at the end of the day, Steve, Aaron Rodgers had absolutely zero leverage. And in fact, he had less leverage because he wanted to put an MVP season. This is his words on the Pat McAfee show. He wanted to put an MVP season on the books to make the Packers uh, eat humble pie and realize that he is the future. When all he did was is prove to the Packers that the tools that everybody else says, and you've implied by not having a first round wide receiver, which is hard to say, everyone is implying that they haven't given him the tools he needs. But apparently it's good enough now because he's an MVP of that team that he hasn't got any weapons for. They're the number one scoring offense in the NFL. So he has proved the Packers' top brass point that he actually has had the weapons that he needs all along to operate at a very high level, at the highest level. Number one scoring offense, MVP season. What else does he need to be given to operate on a high level? Do you know what he needs? A good defense. Do you know where they keep drafting? The defense. Why did they keep drafting the defense? Because that's what he needs. And it's as simple as that. And anybody who tells you any different, that they need top wide receivers, they need this, that, and the other. You can't, you can't be the number one, number one top scoring offense. You can only get the top spot, and that's what they had. Do they need weapons? Everyone can benefit. But do they, is that, that's why they draft the defense, and it makes, it makes complete sense. So I'm, I'm, I'm buying into this. You've, you've made a very, very solid case there. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking, well, you know, what else is at play here? And for me, you know, Rogers is a sociopath. You know, let's, let's just throw Jesus. it out there. You know, I mean, this is a guy who is driven by ego and like petty jealousies and revenge. And, you know, th- this is the kind of things that floats his boat. And, and the reason I say that, is because, first of all, his principal um, beef with Gudekunst seems to be the fact that Gudekunst is, you know, is being harsh in terms of cutting veterans and people from the team. He's making mm-hmm. these tough decisions on the roster. Yeah, isn't isn't that what a GM does? You know, cap space decisions, roster decisions. That's the kind of job of the GM. So mm. I think Rogers wants to be GM. Secondly. This all gets resolved, you know, he, he, he agrees to get his new deal, but seemingly like one of the biggest bits of like the jigsaw to kind of get it all done is he wants the fifth best wide receiver on the Texans roster. Really? Is, mm. is that the thing that kind of like tips him over? And thirdly, and this is like the big elephant in the room, is Rogers wants to be the GM. He wants to pick his mates. And he wants to be Tom Brady because the, the, the very core of this is Rogers looking across at the books and seeing mm-hmm. Brady making roster decisions, getting involved in free agency, you know, having that like, really tight knit relationship with Bruce Arians where, you know, they're obviously having, you know, grown men conversations about the roster and building a team. And mm-hmm. that's what he wants. And that's why I'm saying that it doesn't quite stack up. And, and that there is more at play and it's all about Rogers's personality, which is sociopathic. Yeah. I mean, look, all of what you've said is conjecture, right? Cause we don't have any, again, you can look at it and go, Oh, well, 
you know, we know he's like this. It's not, it was, it's it's not conjecture because he's talked about this in his conference. He he yeah, was able I'm, to air his grievances in mm. wonderful public at the start of training camp, which, mm. you know, where he, he laid out his grievances of, of what he's unhappy with and, you know, starting talking about Jake Kumaro and going back through the roster of people that have been let go. But when you look at who Gudekunst has let go, there's no one in that list of names that you think, fucking hell, they made a mistake there. No, and look, someone actually, uh, Tom Silverstein, went and analysed all of the players that he mentioned and see where they went on and what they did. Mm. And he said that in pretty much every, I think there was only one of them, uh, Micah Hyde maybe, where he was like, okay, well, he had a, a fair, he had a better career, but the Packers could never afford to pay him. Mm-hmm. Look, this is the thing, right? Is I'm not on Rogers' side. I'm not on the organization side. I like to cut it somewhere down the middle, right? I understand that it's good. It's within Gudekunz's remit as GM to turn around and say to Rogers, you are an employee and I make the decisions. You focus on working with the tools you're given because that's how we all operate in our day to day jobs. You know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter if yeah. you're a, a team star, you can try use that for leverage and you can threaten to leave. But if you're on the contract where you physically can't, then you, it just goes back to you not having any leverage again. Now you can throw the ball away and you can screw up your team a little bit and all that, but that actually impacts, especially in today's game, your image and your resaleability and how you sell yourself to a different team. No one will touch. I know a guy who's a massive Washington fan and they're rumored to try go after him next year. And he says, even after seeing Aaron Rodgers' uh, league leading uh, quarterback rating over his career has said that he does not want him. And that's coming from a fan. Now, does that matter? Who knows? But that just gives you an example of the temperature of what's going on. Now, should Aaron Rodgers have more say? Uh, no, he shouldn't be calling the shots in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now again, it's trivialized with Randall Cobb coming in and going, Oh, well, you know, here's this guy, he's he's, he's awful with the Texans. Sometimes players are really good at where they're at, and you know, like you will get a, a quarterback like Matt Stafford who was very good with the Lions, and they say, Oh, he just needed a better cast. He goes to pastures anew, and all of a sudden, it just doesn't work out for him. That could happen, even mm-hmm. though we all know you and I know he's a fantastic quarterback, he can do it, and he's much maligned because people don't talk about the sidearm throws, and Patrick Mahomes invented it, and all this type of stuff. Look, Rogers probably should have a little bit of say into what goes on. You have to look if we have a genius, right, in any type of field, and I believe Rogers is a genius, what he does, right? And his personality is his personality. Sometimes you have to deal with that type of stuff, whether you like him or you don't like him, let people decide. Sometimes if you have an absolutely expert level mathematician, Mm-hmm. But he, and he's a lecturer professor in your college and he sometimes comes in and forgets to put his pants on you kind of have to put up with the professor in his boxers from time to time i know a professor who was so <laughs> good at what he did and he forgot his daughter in a shop because he was so absent-minded and he was so you know unique in his way sometimes geniuses come with baggage and some of rogers's baggage unfortunately is that he has an ego but all quarterbacks do and he wants to say but all quarterbacks do and he thinks that he's earned that right now to a, to some degree steve we have to admit that he does. Randall Cobb, by the way, when he was with the Packers, uh, he basically didn't drop anything. And he's a fantastic slot receiver. And the only person that we have in that position who we've, we haven't had since he left is Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers is a rookie. He's very like Randall Cobb, but he's not going to be ready day one. We all know that about rookie wide receivers. It makes sense to bring Randall Cobb back. Now, Jake Kumaro was mentioned flippantly, right? And where his beef is with that is they asked him, oh, what do you think of your wide receiver core? He came out and said, oh, Kumaro is doing really well. And they cut him the next day. Now, what I would say is that they probably had that decision made well before then. It was in Rogers' best interest not to say who he liked. 
because yeah. it, it's egg on his face if the top brass decide to cut him. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, the fault is that both people. Look, he has needs. Sometimes you have to bow down to those needs and you have to give him a little bit of the piece of the pie. By the way, do you think Tom Brady has all the say with the books? And if he does, do you think, do you know why he has all the say with the books? Is he expected to be there for the next five, 10 years? No, this is they're going all in or all I'm, out. I'm sure that I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle. I'm sure he does have a say. Exactly. But I'm sure exactly. he's not been given a carte blanche to come into no. the books and, and rebuild the roster because no. we, we know that who owns the books and it's the Glazers and we know what their views are in terms of exactly. building a, a roster at Manchester that's a United. Me- that's a media narrative. So if anyone thinks honestly that Tom Brady's going in and sitting Bruce Arians down, who is an egomaniac himself and mm-hmm. turns around saying to Bruce Arians, oh, I want this guy, I want that guy, whatever. He will say, here's my laundry list of, of players. Mm-hmm. Gronk was available out of retirement, so they got him back. If you can get a Hall of Fame tight end, and he will be a Hall of Fame tight end, back in the game, who's retired, and you think he still has it, because he's sending you tape of how fit he is when it turns out he's just changing his top on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a guy sending you in tape and you think he can play, why not add him to the roster? You know That makes sense for the team. That's not something like all right, fair enough, Tom, we'll get him in. He's some poo player who's crap. You know, it's Rob Gronkowski, for God's sake. But I think there's a, there's a, there's a, ga- a gap between what Rogers thinks he is and what he mm. actually is, because he talks about, you know, on Jordan Love on draft night, I just took like four fingers of tequila and chilled out, yeah. you know, and then he talks about like, you know, working on myself and finding myself. And mm. you think, oh, is he going off to like a yoga retreat in the mountains? No, he's going to the Kentucky Derby no. and playing celebrity golf and, you know, generally kind of like hanging out with his celebrity pals. And I think yeah. Rogers wants to be this super cool, laid back, like Californian mm-hmm. surf dude, but actually he's like an egomaniac and he's the kind of like Wisconsin Elton John. Um, <laughs> you know, and I just think that's, as you said, geniuses have always got like this, you know, the yin and the yang, haven't they? Yeah, well, look, I did not like uh, one bit the way it went uh, down, right? Now, I would love to say it was him who dropped the bomb and told Schefter, by the way, or his agents said to Schefter to give him. Like the mafia, you don't want to be the guy who, like, you don't see, like, the, in Goodfellas, them standing at street corners, you know, selling drugs themselves. I mean, there's so many layers in between. It's the way these athletes work. I would love to put the blame on Aaron Rodgers and say it was all him. When the draft came up, he wanted to make it about him. This was the perfect time. His draft value would never have been higher if he does it now. That all makes sense, right? But we don't know that for a fact. And Adam Schefter came out and said that wasn't the case. Rob Domofsky, who's the ESPN guy, he knew all about this well before. And he spoke to Rogers. And even he said from a Rogers perspective, after he did that interview, when he was talking about that Jeopardy stint that he did, um, you know, he was even sort of saying, like, when he got off the phone with him, he sort of felt like, Jesus, this is his last year. And that was before any of this broke. The thing is, is we can't attribute that to Rogers. What I didn't like about what Rogers did was that he said nothing. And mm-hmm. that... He let all of these rumors build up. He let AJ Hawk, who was at the Kentucky Derby, well, he, he didn't say he didn't say nothing because he was like doing things like you know tweeting the last dance memes yeah. with like Devontae was, Adams and stuff like that. It was that. abhorrent, abhorrent, right? And I had a that was the thing, and that's the thing that annoyed me more. And here's why: is that uh, and Devontae Adams verbalized it, and I put that soundbite in our podcast. And this is going to show you how wrong the players had it is that he was putting up the last dance. Rogers was coming, and that was the thing as well. Uh, he put up the last dance, and then um, Ian Rappaport mentioned that Rogers was coming back, and David Bakhtiari, who was seen that day or the day before working out with Rogers, decided to go against that report and say, oh, I guess I'm not a good friend. And the, I w- it was disgusting to me how the players decided to toy with the fans, because let's get this straight. Devontae Adams said that he did it to get at the media because he said, oh, we're allowed to play with you guys sometimes. Or I think were his words verbatim. Does he understand that 
clickbait articles, last dance photos, uh, going against the narrative. Uh, coming, he even put out at the start of this whole saga, uh, oh, you have to know what you have before it's gone, which put the fans into a frenzy. The only people that are going to benefit from that is the media. The people that are not going to benefit is the player because of his reputation, the team because they're going to get inundated with requests and it damages their reputation in the market, and and also the fans because the fans freak out about it. I know people, Steve, that have called their kids after Packer players. Mm -hmm. And some of these Packer players have went on to be villains of the whole thing because that's how much fans believe it. They get tattoos on the body. The one person that that benefits is the media because they get the clicks that they need to sell stories. So this sort of myth that by the players doing this and toying with people, it's not about the fans. It's about getting at the media. It fed exactly into what the media want and it hurt the fans. And that's why I was angry that Aaron Rodgers was coming out with last dance stuff. Devontae Adams was fueling it. David Bakhtiari was fueling it. Uh, Zadarius Smith almost got caught up in it because he came out and said, does anybody know a good realtor in Green Bay? And yeah, then he'd come out and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not saying I'm leaving. But this is the thing. And anyone who says like, oh, they can say what they want. It's their choice. They chose to drove the fans right down the middle. And that's what annoyed me more about the whole saga. And and so I'm just going to like hit you with this quote that, that Roger said in his press conference. Green Bay isn't a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, to play with our team, knowing that they can win a championship here. You know, I mean, my question, I guess, looking forward is when you've got all this like last stuff, last dance stuff happening and Rogers is saying things like that. And you kind of know that it's all over after this season or there's a really high probability. Mm. How do those players in the locker room feel who maybe have got two, three years left on their contract know that, you know, in 12 months time, Rodgers is going to be gone and they're going to be left picking up the pieces. How, How are they going to play for him this year? You know, I mean, he's their quarterback. He's their leader on the pitch. Do you think that's going to foster that good locker room spirit this year? Uh, well, it somehow has in the sense that this team are all in because they, weirdly enough, they believe in the front office mm-hmm. because they sign contracts with them. Um, and they also believe in Rodgers because they feel like this is this year is their sweet spot to get the ring. Because Tom Brady, let's face it, has ruined it for everybody because he set up a dynasty in a league that was built to not set up dynasties. Yeah, And it's as simple as that. I mean, you look at the Seahawks when they had their good run, that was because of the strong defense. That disintegrated and where are they now? Good team, but not at the dance. That's what happens. That's what's supposed to happen. So the Packers team themselves really don't care for this year because they're thinking, whatever happens after this, fine. I'm an athlete. We have to put up with losses. Some of these players, remember, weren't even drafted by the Packers. They were brought in like Mercedes Lewis from Jacksonville. And he's looking at this like, this is my absolute best shot to come out with anything. As I said, Alan Lazard came from the practice squad from some other team and comes in. Aaron Jones gave the team uh, a, a sort of seal of approval because He's a key part to that offense. It's not all revolving around Aaron Rodgers anymore. Just look at you know how much production Aaron Jones is getting, AJ yeah, yeah. Dillon, Jamal Williams, right? So he signed on at a bargain basement deal to stay, and he had better offers elsewhere. David Bakhtiari signed an extension. Kenny Clark signed an extension. They're not signing extensions off the strength of that Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. They obviously believe in what the team are doing at the end of the day. But what I would say is, is what Aaron said is absolutely correct. Charles Woodson went into the Hall of Fame. Andrew Brand came out and said the amount of hassle he had to try get him to sign. Reggie White, when he came and was sitting in the reception, um, there was a, a woman, um, Sue Broberg. She was the receptionist uh, PA for Mike Holmgren. And she did a trolley tour. And I know Sue well from going back and forth to Green Bay over the years. And she told us, and this is coming from the direct source, is that when Reggie White was in the 
uh, waiting room to go in to see Mike Holmgren and all the rest. He said to her, do not mention the weather in Green Bay. Don't mention how bad it is. Don't mention that there's nothing to do. Don't say anything about negative about Green Bay. The only reason they got him up there was because Mike Holmgren called Reggie White and said, hey, it's God calling. Uh, I need you to sign with Green Bay, which was risky because he was such a religious guy. And mm-hmm. that's how they've always struggled to get players to Green Bay. In fact, they had uh, Kylie Era, which was a guy, a tight end, and he was a troublemaker, and they got him in Green Bay. And he behaved, he ended up getting caught, but he behaved because there was nothing to do. Yeah. Because there is nothing really to do in Green Bay. Unfortunately, I love the place. I go every year. But what he's saying is correct. And you can imagine, and I, I know I go on too long, but you can imagine, right, is that Bob Harlan comes in during the... Uh, you know, Mike Holmgren, Ron Wolf, uh, Brett Farvira, and they managed to add uh, club seats and uh, massive venues to hold conferences and all this type of stuff, right? Aaron Rodgers takes over. He cannot help but think, and he says it a couple of times. If you really listen to that, to that press conference, he mm-hmm. says, I'm driving in, and one of the quotes is, he goes, oh, I'm driving in, and I see it's nice to be with a team to experience that success and growth. What is he saying there? He's saying, this is successful because of me. And it is. It definitely is. Of course it is. So, like, he sees Titletown District, which is around Lambeau yeah, Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has, like, a you can slide down it on, a like, a snow thing. Um, uh, You know, from Ireland, we don't get it. We get sideways rain. We don't get snow. Um, so, like, you know, in a toboggan, you can get down it. There's there's venues. There's new restaurants open up. The Hinterland Brewery, Coles is after opening up. I mean, that place is massive. The houses outside of Lambeau Field will go for $1 million. And that's because they go for party houses. Will that happen without Aaron Rodgers? Not in a hope would that happen. So he's driving in, in his golf cart now, right? And he's looking <laughs> around at all of this success. And he's saying to himself, they can only do this because of me. So it's a bit rich that they turn around and say, you're an employee, sit down and stop talking. And he thinks that he has, deserves a better right to be at the table. Now, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. That's up to debate. They've decided allegedly to not give him that, uh, vocal point apparently they have because Gudekunz came out if we're going to take Roger's word let's take Gudekunz's word because he's come out and said he's always had a voice they just never took it on board mm-hmm. um, for certain decisions because they still have to make the decisions themselves that sounds accurate to me the GM's job is to make GM decisions so as you say the truth uh, the, the sort of sides of the story there's always far left there's always far right I don't mean that in a political leaning and the truth is usually somewhere straight up the middle and that's what's happened here does he deserve more time at the table? Yes. Are the team going to play for him? Absolutely, because it's their best chance of a ring. Um, it's like Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney, right? He goes off and he does stuff with uh, geriatric octog- uh, octogenarians, right? Mm. Everyone, he hits the front papers and people think this is a horrible person. He goes on and bangs in a couple of bicycle kick goals and all of a sudden Wayne Rooney is now tattooed on someone's calf muscle. That's the thing. I mean, success just breeds followers and that's what's going to happen. He's come back. He's in top form. He's hitting a net from 50 yards. No one cares anymore. They're going to come back and they're going to play with him. And then if it's Jordan Love after that, so be it. Saying all that, after, after saying all that, you know, this is a final question on the topic. Is there not part of you deep down that's just you know, really like disappointed that you never saw the dawn of the Blake Bortles era? <laughs> yeah. D- deep down, See, just you know, what might know. have been? You're not thinking what might have been there? I don't know. Like, look, don't get me wrong. I am right. But he's somewhere ripping cigs, working construction. You know what I mean? Did you see that uh, Barstool interview where he talks about what he'd be doing if he wasn't a quarterback? He's living the dream now. Yeah, look, he was a funny guy. And in fact, he got along with Rogers quite well uh, because there are two. I think he's from California as well or something, is he? Um, yeah, so, yeah, he, he seems like a real kind of like bro, like a oh, uber a, bro. Yeah. 
Oh, Uber bro, yeah. Like, I mean, talk about toxic masculinity. He is just like a Gillette advert all in himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, just great crack. I mean, that Barstool advert or that interview that your one did with him is just absolutely class. He just does not give two hoots. Um, but yeah, look, we'll get on without him. We'll we'll struggle on. That's all I can say, Steve. Where we'll heal. Okay. And and I mean we need to move along from Rogers because yeah, mm. there's, there's still lots to talk Two about. Two minutes left in the podcast. <laughs> Um, I, I'm just interested. I mean, you know, this is going to be Rogers Revenge Tour Part Two, and as a Lions mm-hmm. fan, I'm kind of dreading it because I think, as you said, you know, there's not a lot changed from on the offensive point of view. Um, you know, Amari Rogers has come in, Cobb's come in, he'll play slot between them. You know, they'll they'll kind of fill that role, but there's there's not a lot changed. Um, but so, how do you think, bearing in mind the kind of like what you talked about the future and the, the potential of what's going to happen to Rogers? How do you think the Packers will use Jordan Love this year in terms of, you know, trying to maybe get him ready for the next role without upsetting the Rodgers, you know, apple cart? What, do you think that there's like place for Jordan Love to be able to play like, you know, 20 snaps in, in a lot of games? Are you expecting to see him on the field? No. Um, oh, I do have a controversial theory, though. I think that what they should do is, is even with backups that are never expected to take over from the main, I think that like goalkeepers, they should be swapping them in and out. Not not wildcat stuff like Tim Tebow stuff, but I think there should be certain times where they go, all right, we're going to start him because there's inevitably moments we've seen it in, in recent Parker's history. And mm-hmm. I guess you have with Stafford and the injuries where you do have someone else coming in and the gulf between a Rogers or a Stafford to anybody yeah. else is quite steep and they simply do not get the reps. So it was almost a blessing in the skies that Rogers was out uh, for OTAs because it let Jordan Love run with the ones. Look, Rogers is supportive of Love because he's been there with Favre. He's seen Favre. Favre's quote was, it's not my job to teach Aaron Rodgers how to be a quarterback and take my job. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Rogers apparently is. But you know, just to like Jordan Love. He, he, he does, always like, speaks very positive of him, you know? Yeah. And of course he would. Look, I'd speak very positive of someone who I was like 10 times better than because you don't see him as a threat. There's one reason. Um, the other one is, is that he's been in Jordan Love's shoes. So he's, he has that empathy towards him. He knows how he's feeling. And apparently he checked in with him during the offseason and stuff like that. It's not going to be one of those situations where I don't think they'll make Jordan Love feel weird if he did have to come in. And um, what I do think is, though, and they're going to keep three quarterbacks because they it's traditional. They kind of have to, you know, they'd be foolish not to. So they have a guy called uh, Ben Kirk there. So he's going to come in. He has some NFL experience. He's very raw. It's not a case now where if Rodgers goes down with injury that Ben Kurt comes in because they want to protect Love. They really want to see what Love has now. And they're raging that they're maybe not going to see him in this preseason game against the Jets. Because remember, if the season has gone up a game, but preseason has gone down one. Yeah, yeah. So they've less of a chance to see him. So they have very limited opportunity to see if they're going to pull the trigger on this. It's like going into what, a car dealership make, and not going to test drive, you know? What did you make of his... I, I, I know we didn't like, we'll see a massive amount of him, but what did you see of what, what you saw in the first game? I think he's exactly. Yeah. yeah, he's exactly where he needs to be. He had 110 mm-hmm. quarterback rating. Uh, people are focusing on failed drives. You're, that's not what preseason is about. No. Um, he was poised. He didn't freak out. Um, he got uh, strip sacked, so you can't really blame him for that, which is where he got the stinger. Um, he had a couple of really good passes. Uh, he moved up in the pocket, and he stood there and took a couple of hits too. So, I mean, this is a guy in practice who they asked him, what's the biggest difference between practice and preseason? And he said, oh, well, there's a real chance we've been hit now. And that's exactly it. But to say that he's a guy who hasn't played in 18 months, um, has all of this pressure hanging around him, uh, and to come out and do what he did, I think he was very measured, if not too cautious. And mm-hmm. there's a couple of things that could have went better. He could have made better decisions, all of this type of stuff. Of course. I mean, 
you know, you ride a motorcycle for the first time, you're going to put it on the ground in slow maneuvers. 100% you're going to put it on the ground in slow maneuvers, but you don't expect someone to get on it and ride like Valentino Rossi. You get on it and you go, if he drops it once, that's a success. If he doesn't kill effectively, himself, he's, he's still a rookie. I mean, if you look at last yeah. season and COVID disrupted camp yep. and all that, effectively, he's kind of like in an extended rookie season at the moment. Exactly. And they need time. The problem is COVID. It, it, like, and again, that's obvious. But the problem is, is that now it's squashed Aaron Rodgers' contract and Jordan Love's contract by a year. They've lost a year and he's lost a year in experience. The last time he played competitively was about 603 days ago. For anybody, if you get on your, if you get in your car after a year and a half, you, you'll know how to do it, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be pretty hard. And on top of that, if the car that you left was a Ford Fiesta and the car you're getting back into is a Lamborghini, which is the NFL because it's so much faster, well, then try catch up and all that type of stuff. I did. I think he did pretty admirable. Is he Aaron Rodgers? No. It was his first preseason game. Yes. Did he perform admirably because of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in terms of so in terms of the office, not much change. Probably the biggest move is on the O-line. Um, mm-hmm. So Corey Linus is gone. Um, yeah. Bactieri, um, I think he's going to be fit for maybe game one, game two. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, probably not. I mean, Bactieri's out again. They they laid blame at his feet and his injury for the Bucks game, which is complete nonsense. Elton Jenkins is an absolute superstar. This is a guy on O line who can play anything. Uh, he's a left yeah. guard. He's a Pro Bowl left guard. He's been playing left tackle. Hasn't missed a beat. He's also played center. Doesn't care. He'll go off to. He actually, I think there was one game he played all five positions uh-huh. because everyone kept getting injured. Um, the only real piece that's changed is Corey Lindsley. Now we have a guy Myers in there. He's this like six foot five demon. They is draft he drafted him, him sec- second, third round. Yeah, like uh, and again, he's drafted that mm-hmm. high because they want him to start straight away. So anybody like I see all these articles like, oh, maybe he's not going to play. He's going to play. They put him in in preseason and actually left him in too long. I think he was in for fifteen snaps, and they took him out. Uh, his rapport is good, but you never know how someone's going to play. Again, like I've tempered expectations on Love in preseason. Myers was fantastic. I mean, he was eating up blocks. He was getting double teamed um, or he was like, you know, going to the second player and he was sticking hands out. He was keeping anchored. He was getting upfield uh, for the running backs and stuff like that. Whereas the rest of the O-line looked, you know, pretty shady. But look, Elton Jenkins will fill in for Bakhtiari. Uh, Billy Turner, um, again, people like to complain about him. I think he's extremely serviceable. Uh, sometimes he's outstanding. Sometimes he's so-so, but he's a very dependable player. Uh, plays with his heart in his sleeve. You know, he's in there. John Runyon, we have a guy. Uh, his dad played famously, um, you know, many moons ago. Uh, he's pretty good. I'm not worried too much about the O-line because of Elton Jenkins. They can move him over into that sort of um, the blind side. So that's the most important part. Aaron Rodgers as well. You see, the Packers have Mercedes Lewis. They have Aaron Jones. Um, they've Josiah DeGuara now, which is this big-bodied tight end. The, people talk about the offensive line for the Packers as if they get a couple of injuries and they're, they're goosed. They're not because they had James Campen, uh, who was fantastic, and then they've Adam Stenovich, who's, again, unbelievable. Uh, uh, they just seem to have this real knack to pick up O-linemen, but they slot in Aaron Jones. They slot in Josiah DeGuara. Mercedes Lewis is basically an O-lineman. So they have these guys in there to act as an O-lineman, and then it's all about the pre-snap motion. Um, and so I'm not worried too much about O-line. They've brought back... Going back, uh, to, going back to Gudikens, talking about you know the, setting up the O-line, I think back to how he was a fourth-round pick. And I, yeah, think, oh, I think he was um, he had like 1, 1.4% blown blocks in 2019. And then last season, he actually improved and was like 0.6. I mean, the guy's like ridiculous. Yeah, they talk about the lack of, um, look, we've got all-star players in pretty much every position, right? So left guard, Elton Jenkins, pro bowler, uh, left tackle, David Bakhtiari, 
Um, Corey Lindsley, again, we couldn't afford him, and that's why he left. He was right up there on PFF. Aaron Jones, he had the same numbers of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Robert Tunyon had the same numbers as, you know, um, Zach Ertz, or what's his name? Jesus, I'm blanking now. The, Kittle uh, and all those boys mm-hmm. um, in Kansas City. So he had the same amount of touch, receiving touchdowns as him. He, he equaled a franchise record for the Packers all time for touchdowns. Um, Jair Alexander on defense. Like we have parts all over the offense and the defense. Kenny Clark on the D-line. It seems to be that we have like at each position almost, you know, position group. Jair Alexander's outstanding shutdown corner. But then on the opposite side, you have Kevin King who can't stay healthy. But now we have uh, Stokes in there who's, you know, supposed to do a job for us. So, like, look, it, the team is a fantastic team, and it, it, but their problem with the Packers has always been depth because we're one yeah. injury away from seeming a meltdown. If Jair Alexander gets carted off, mm-hmm. for instance, for instance, and I know you want to talk about it, I know we spoke for a long time, so feel free to cut this thing short, but the defense and how the defense are going to play and, you know, the we'll, fact we'll, that we'll Joe come Barry's We'll come in. to defects mm-hmm. in two seconds. I just want to ask from a Lions point of view, just talking about depth, Fenton mm-hmm. happens to Aaron Jones, you know, we had... You had Jamal Williams, and obviously he's yeah. gone, and and it's now got the Lions. What what are the Lions going to be getting out of Jamal Williams this season? He's brilliant. He's a workhorse. Um, he doesn't have the same shifty and cut, but he does a different job. He's a he's a bruising back, great locker room guy. And I know people scoff at that and say, "Who cares?" Right? But he's already been all over NFL media with his sort of funny quips about making people play rock paper scissors. He brings that energy to the locker room. He's happy to play and he's happy to be there. And he will take the ball in any condition. He's actually better in inclement weather. So when you see him on a typical Detroit, like you know, really ground and pound game. He is fantastic. And he was a brilliant compliment to Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones went down injured and Jamal Williams came in there. Because remember, Jamal Williams was drafted ahead of Aaron Jones and he was seen as the number two back behind a guy called Ty Montgomery at the time who was a converted wide receiver. Mm. And then Jamal and Ty got injured and Aaron Jones came in and did the business for us. Like a real surprise, you know. I, I never knew that about it. I never knew he was drafted ahead of him. That's He was, yeah. He was seen as the number two and then he, Aaron Jones only got his chance because Jamal got injured. Okay. And... um. Yeah, I mean, let's let's move on to the defense. So, hmm. I mean, you know, number one offense in the entire league last season. The mm-hmm. defense, the defense was just kind of like okay, like it was kind yeah. of n- no better than okay. And I think a lot of that was on Pettin. You know, I mean, Pettin's still a guy who's like you know playing dime defense, whereas hmm. I think like the rest of the NFL plays nickel like most of the time. Hmm. Um, you know, do do you think that Pettin? leaving and, and I think Joe Barry is the guy. Do you, what, what do you know yeah. about Joe Barry and, and what he's Look, going to bring to the to Green Bay? I don't know. I've been so high on him, you know. Like Joe Barry brings this energy. There's all these stories about him tackling air and hitting the ground and getting up with his glasses sideways on his face. He's great for team morale. Look at his record. It's not great. So you look at what he's done with other teams, but then do you know what the excuse was? Oh, he didn't have the personnel he needs. I'm not convinced he has the personnel in Green Bay and that's no slight on the Green Bay defense. Because you look at Kenny Clark, he's a world beater. Um, you look at Zadarius and Preston Smith, fantastic. Preston's stats fell off because they dropped him into coverage, which was a massive mistake because they had um, another guy that since moved on uh, in that role to, to do that for them, right? He had a, an outstanding year and then he dropped off. So they had to get Preston to do that job for him. Kyler Fackel was his name. So Preston was doing the kind of grunt work in there, you know, dropping into coverage, which is never his natural position. You have to stand him on the edge and get him to cause havoc. Rashan Gary should make uh, strides. Jair Alexander is one of the top cornerbacks in the league. Um, Darnell Savage is fantastic. Adrian Amos, 
He's not a big splash play guy, but he's super dependable. Kevin King on his day can come down with some great stuff, although he has those brain fart moments. The problem for the Packers, and it's always been the problem, is linebacker. And what's Joe Barry's system? Tampa 2. And what does Tampa 2 depend on? Linebacker. So that's my concern, (laughs) right? Is that they've said, oh, Joe Barry just hasn't had the talent. He arguably doesn't have the players in his key position, which is linebacker. Now, does that matter anymore? You'd have to wonder because you play more sort of DBs now in that hybrid linebacker role. They're kind of high on this guy, Chris Barnes. They've Campbell in there as well, who's impressing in camp. Uh, Oren Burks, who's, let's face it, is probably just going to be a special teamer, right? But he's another guy in at linebacker who he went straight up the middle for the Texans and got some purchase. People, say, people say linebackers don't matter, but then you look at the Bucks and what they did in defense and Levante yeah. David, Devin White. I mean, they were like the absolute engine room. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's where the aggressiveness comes from over the middle. Like the slot's the hardest place to, to guard against. Jair Alexander, they stick him in there, but because he's diminutive, he can get beaten by big, tall, big body tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, let's say, he holds his own. I mean, he does a fantastic job, but you do need, like, and we haven't had a good inside linebacker since they moved Clay from outside to inside, Clay Matthews. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's they're trolling the media again. Aaron Rodgers coming out saying they want Clay Matthews back. And that's a controversial point because everyone keeps saying, well, oh, Clay was terrible inside. He wasn't. He was actually fantastic. AJ Hawk, they had him roam in the middle at some stage. But it's, it's a part of our defense we've really struggled with. And what we end up having then is, is we have the likes of safeties who take bad angles, a la ha- ha- Clinton Dix. Uh, you know, we're getting lads in like... like um, Jesus, I even forget his name now. Demarius Randall, and they got him in and were playing him at safety because but he's a natural cornerback. And then they tried to play him a cornerback. And you know, like they're trying to move people around and they've put draft capital into the top players and it just hasn't worked out. Our defense should be better this year. It has to be better yeah. this year. So much so, and I'll give you one small example is that Aaron Rodgers is saying that he hasn't seen some of these defensive coverages before because like the offense for the Packers gets most purchases and success with pre-snap motion, which is why people laugh at Randall Cobb, but he's going to be the guy like the Tyler Irvin guy who's going to be running behind the line of scrimmage to show their, the defense's hand of who's going to coverage him, whether it's man or whatever. Um, so they're going to have that going on. They also have Amari Rodgers to do that as well. Aaron Jones is very good at doing that. On the defensive side of the ball, it's all about that uh, pre-snap confusion and getting into certain positions and then confusing the the, the, you know, the quarterback because Aaron Rodgers pulled Darnell Savage aside in training camp and said to him like Darnell what are you doing over like you were definitely surely not supposed to be there and he said yeah that's the way the play was drawn up so it's confusing Aaron Rodgers now will that translate Steve to mm-hmm. you know gameplay I've no idea it should but we thought that would happen with Petten as well sometimes it did sometimes it didn't but at the end of the day he lost his job because of it so I'm optimistic but I've got nothing to base it on I mean, I think your secondary is like outstanding. I mean, I think mm-hmm. J.R. Alexander's better than Jalen Ramsey. Um, and yeah. I think you've got two of the best safeties, you know, I mean, like Adrian Amos, you know, I think this, the safety group is great. It's going to be mm-hmm. interesting. I think your number one um, pick this year is Eric Stokes uh, mm-hmm. out of Georgia. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see if he can beat Kevin King to the cornerback mm-hmm. two, I think, spot. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what you made of Stokes and the pick. Yeah, it's he's good. He's he's outstanding. He's he's a male as an athlete, he's a freak. Um, but the problem with him is, and maybe it maybe it's a good thing. Do you ever get into a job and then you realize that the reason you got employed is because half their team left, and then you're kind of thrown into the fire at the very beginning? That's kind of the way he is, is because uh, he's in the position he's in. He's mine, he's guarding players like Devontae Adams, for God's sake. So Aaron Rodgers is actually targeting him a whole lot. 
um, which means he's getting beaten a whole lot. But we see uh, stuff like he's jumping routes now uh, ahead of the best footwork guy in the NFL, Devontae Adams. He's absolutely incredible. I know people say Rodgers makes players good, but Devontae Adams is legitimately a fantastic player. So Stokes is going up against the best uh, quarterback and the best in wide receiver. And now he's starting to make plays. Uh, We're very high on him. But then if you look at the likes of what happened, we drafted a guy, Josh Jackson, really high a couple of years ago. And he has been an absolute bust since then. He got loads of snaps and was very promising in his rookie year. And he's absolutely fell off a cliff. He's losing his place to undrafted free agents. So he's actually been traded. He's actually been traded today. He's traded today. He's traded into the Giants, I think, about like a couple of hours ago. There you go. You see, I was out on the bike. I didn't even realize I was getting some uh, some headspace. So there you go. That, that There's a perfect example. He was a second round pick. And all of a sudden, he's gone and been traded off. What did they trade him for? Probably a, a bag of crisps or something, wasn't it? For another cornerback. They, um, I think the Giants have traded a cornerback in return. I can't, I can't remember his mm. name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously, that's a spot that they're concerned about. But it's just mm. going to be interesting because Pettin was just one of these guys I just felt was a bit of a dinosaur and just struggled to adapt. And it's going to be interesting yeah. to see what, what Barry can do. And if, you know, let's face it, if the Packers defense can be like anywhere near top 12, top 10, it's kind of, you know, that's going to make all the difference when it gets into like the playoffs in January. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at Tom Brady's records and the defense he's had. And, and the first round wide receivers, by the way, he's had the same amount as Rodgers, which is a one. Um, and I think that's Mercedes Lewis. It's class as in he's a tight end for the Packers. So yeah, look, you need a good defense. If we have any semblance of defense, it's going to be great. But forever, Steve, our best former defense has been our high-scoring offense. And as long as that continues, it sort of papers over the cracks a little bit. It's not good enough, but it works for now. Uh-huh. So we, we talked about offense and defense. Um, let's just have a look at the rest of the NFC North. Um, mm-hmm. Just quite interested um, in terms of your take on what's going on at the Vikings, Bears, Lions, offseason, and how you think the kind of division is going to like play out. Like the easy thing is to say everybody sucks and we're great, right? But I mean, there's some, every divisional game is is usually fantastic. I mean, the Lions, I think, was it last year? We we won, uh, but it was the only time a team has ever won outside of regulation. So Crosby would have kicked the kick when time expired. And then we won in overtime, I believe. I, I think so we, like, we were never behind at any point during the yeah. entire game. Yeah, so there and, you go. And I then think... there was the Marvin Jones catch that was called incomplete mm. when... Even on the instant replay, you could see it got two feet down. I don't know why they didn't review it. It was just yeah, one of those I mean, like funny games. Yeah, it's one of those moments, but that's divisional games for you. You know, I mean, we had the retirement of Brett Favre, the mighty Brett Favre, who was the much maligned Brett Favre, but then became the mighty Brett Favre again. We retired his jersey and we played the Bears and the Bears were a dumpster fire that season and we were flying high and they clobbered us. Um, so, you know, they... They, we always have a way in divisional games to come up against us. But here's the rub, I think. The Vikings, if you listen to Zimmer when he came out and they said to him, like, oh, you had a really promising preseason game. What did you like? And he said, well, apart from, and mentioned every single one yeah, of their falls. Oh, it was brutal. Of, oh, it was, like, it was like, apart from everything, yeah, it was a good game. It was kind but of like Marine, Mourinho at his most salty. It yeah, was, which it, is it, incredible to see. Uh-huh. He doesn't, uh, doesn't shake hands with coaches at the end of games. I mean, he's proper salty. Like, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the Vikings with mm. Thielen, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, you know, they've got a decent offensive line. They've mm. kind of got like a, a pretty good building blocks. Obviously, Cousins is the problem. But then when Cousins is hot, you know, he does go on yeah. streaks. I'm not down on Cousins because, again, like my... One of my best mates is a Washington fan and he couldn't stand him because he always thought that like, yes, he's serviceable, but he's never going to get you, you know, the full hog. 
I'm not as down on Cousins as other people. He got fully guaranteed money for a reason. Um, I thought the contract, by the way, was absolutely ludicrous. Anyway, if I was him, I would have been throwing myself through a coffee table and then taking a couple of seasons off. Um, but look, he's serviceable. He's definitely serviceable. He can find open players and he's punished us more times than I can imagine. He's exposed their defense. You look at any of those sort of highlight reel stuff from Kirk Cousins and it's usually throwing on the Packers because we've made a holy show of ourselves. As you said, Justin Jefferson is, is a superstar talent if he can keep it up. There's always that sophomore slump. What's the problem with the Vikings? Much the same as the Packers. They have a young, inexperienced defense who just yeah. can't get the job done, which you'd imagine Zimmer or Steve would turn that thing around because that's where his bread is buttered, right, is on defense. So I can't imagine that will last for too much longer. They got. I mean, they, they were really badly hit by COVID and opt-outs. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, um, Daniil Hunter was like the big miss. But then I think like Anthony Barr got injured after like two games and missed yep. most of the season. So the, the, they did have like pretty shitty luck on defense. Mm. And I think there's no way they're going to be as bad this year on defense. So like no. as, a, as a, a Lions fan, I would love to say we're going to be up there challenging with you. But I think actually the Vikings are probably your biggest threat this season. I don't know if yeah. you, yeah, I don't know if you oh, agree. Yeah. I'd agree with that, yeah. I mean, I don't know how the impact of Kirk Cousins' medical stance on, and again, like we can take the piss and people can be pro or anti-vax, I don't care. Um, but the fact that he's not doing it and it is a prerequisite for his job to do it and it makes his life an awful lot harder if he doesn't, you know, they're mandating it now. And the fact that he's saying, oh, I'll put up plexiglass and all this type of stuff. You asked me about Aaron Rodgers and his stance and how that would affect the team. I don't know how that's affecting the team even from an operational standpoint where Kirk Cousins, do they stick him on a different plane? You know, do they... He's in a different part of the locker room. Can you really gel with your quarterback if you feel that's his stance? This is a guy, by the way, who Stefan Diggs had to leave town. Adam Thielen came out and criticized publicly. So look, if they're firing on all cylinders, absolutely. Justin Fields for the Bears. I mean, the guy looks frightening. It's normal for the Bears to go all in. What's your take from Justin Fields? Do you think it's a whole lot more hype than is deserved preseason? Um, well, I think looking at the Bears, um, you know, sort of social media, they've seen him as the second incarnation of Dak Prescott already. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's a rookie quarterback and he's going to make a lot of mistakes yeah. this year. I think he's definitely got potential, but then a lot of yeah. rookie quarterbacks have got potential. So, mm-hmm. you know, is he going to be a Josh Allen or is he going to be a Josh Rosen? Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's let's see after eight games and let's not pronounce yeah. him, you know, this, this you know, the next Russell Wilson when he's mm-hmm. not... Ha- you know, faced a snap in anger. Yeah. I, I think, and I think the problem for Nagy and the Bears is they've gambled, you know, they've, they've absolutely gambled the farm on fields being good, but that mm. roster's got so many holes. And yeah. by moving up and drafting him, when they could have got, I mean, Dalton is the quintessential average quarterback, isn't he? Mm. You know, he's, he's kind of right Fitz there. It's magic without the magic. He's just... Yeah, he, he, he's, he's the, the 19th best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and could they have looked elsewhere on, on the roster and, and spent their draft picks there and, and gone with Dalton or with Foles as backup? I mean, mm. you know, I, I think that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they're on very much win or, you know, they, they know that if they don't win soon, they're on the hot seat. So I think they've kind of just pushed their chips all in and let's let's see what happens. But I, I think it's a big, big gamble. Da Bears. I mean, this is what they do. This was a this was a team who had Mike Lennon, who they signed for big money. 
mm-hmm. at their draft party when they moved up and drafted Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you know, it, it's a wild. It doesn't. I like to think we rationalize the Bears mm-hmm. the same way we do with financial markets. You know, macro and everyone reacts rationally. The markets as well as the Bears, they're not rational. So look, Justin Fields, it might work out for them. Um, it might not, as you say, the jury's still out. What do you do to a rookie quarterback to confuse him? Rush him, you know, put pressure mm-hmm. on him, and then see yeah. how good he is. And then they often get injured because they're too naive. Sometimes they benefit from that naivety. They throw into triple coverage and sometimes it works out. No one in the right mind would do it ordinarily. Um, so, yeah, look, the Bears, unfortunately, your team, the Lions. Uh, again, you could surprise us here, but just on the quotes from your, your head coach alone, it's so cringe. I don't know how anybody can actually take any information in without just <laughs> leaving the room in disgust. Is it cringe, though, or is he just like a straight-up, straight-talking guy? No, it's cringe. No, it's cringe. What what do you, what don't you like about Dan Campbell? What what is it? Oh, we fall over and we bite your kneecaps off. And we do. He's he's honestly like that fifteen year old guy who rides dirt bikes in school. You know that guy who kind of tries to flex <laughs> the machismo thing and the shock jock who tries to say too much. You know that's all well and good and it shows. Like, look, that might work for people. And he's like, um, a lot of coaches have tried that, by the way, right? So Matt Patricia tried to be a badass. Well, Matt, Matt Patricia tried to be like a pound shop Bill Belichick. Yeah, he did. And then he sort of tried, you know, we see that with uh, McDaniels as well when he went off to the Broncos and he was wearing like the, the cut off uh, hoodies and all that. They tried to replicate, but it doesn't work. A couple of coaches that come to mind with that type of attitude um, is was your man for the Rams. God damn it. What was his name? Uh, the the mustache. He was on hard knocks. Jesus. I oh, He was my go to name to say. Um, Jeff, what's his name? People are going to be shouting at the podcast now. Anyway, so he used to do it where he would say, oh, hit them after the bell goes and the whistle goes, you know, like give them an extra jab and all that kind of stuff. But he was a perennial 8-18, you know, always yeah. the way. And if they had a winning season, it was it was phenomenal. It's not always about attitude and stuff like that. Sometimes you need a coach to be cerebral. Matt LaFleur, when he first joined, was notoriously bad at interviews. He'd get up, he'd be kind of stumbling, he'd look sort of shook a little bit. He's getting a bit better now. The machismo to me just doesn't do it. I think it's it's embarrassing, and I know he wants to lead by example and have a tougher. Is take. is there much machismo? Or, or I mean, that whole kneecaps thing. They've, the the media have taken that one bit. Yeah, like he's he's just been made head coach. He's clearly like buzzing with like nervous energy. He comes out with mm. you know like all this stuff about kneecaps and but the he's media kind of job. He was selling chicken. Based his persona like just on this one thing, whereas no. I've watched a lot of his stuff. It's, it's verbal diarrhea and awful lot of that stuff is just very, he just keeps, he can't, like me, he can't stop talking, you know, he just keeps on talking. <laughs> I think the thing that is that is quite positive from a Lions point of view is he's clearly surrounded himself with some really good coaching staff. Hmm. So, I mean, like Anthony Lynn, bad head yeah. coach, but great offensive coordinator. Hmm. Aaron Glenn, we think could be like the kind of best hire because he's come from being Saints DB coach that, Coach like Lattimore and, and that whole kind yeah, of like yeah. dynasty of players. And he seems really good. I think Juice Staley, the running backs coach, who's mm. the assistant head coach that they got from, I think the Eagles, is coming across really well. So mm. it's, it's like Campbell's almost like the guy taking all the flack, taking the media's attention. But actually, the quieter guys behind the scenes uh, in the mm. sort of coordinator jobs, I think are probably where, because the lines have been notoriously bad at coaching people. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of draft picks and getting them to be a success, and yeah. you know, we've seen so many busts. But are they busts, or are, have they just been really badly coached? So I think how people mm-hmm. like Jeff Akuda play this season is going to be like absolutely 
you know, kind of crucial. And, and if Aaron mm. Glenn can develop a CUDA, then he could be outstanding in like, you know, maybe not this season, but maybe next season. Mm. So yeah, it's I, an exciting time mm. to be a Lions fan, I guess, with that change. And like what you said, when you see all the granular stuff, that sort of undercurrent, a counterpoint, you don't need a guy who comes out with verbal diarrhea to try take the flack from everybody else. Look at Nathaniel Hacker for the Packers, the OC. I mean, this is a guy who's mm. going to be in con- you know, in conversations about being head coach and all that because he's seen as, you know, the gold zone and all this type of stuff. He's meant to be an absolute genius. Um, yeah, you don't need all that. I just cringe when I listen to him just from a just from a human perspective. A journal- I know the journalists <laughs> probably love it, but I can't stand it. I just think it's a, it's a whole lot of someone who just cannot stop his mouth from running and saying uh, things. But I don't know. Quarterback is, is really the crux for you guys, right? I mean, where's your head at with that? Well, I mean, the, the question is going to be is, is Goff going to be 2017, 2018 Goff? Where, you know, I mean, he took the Rams to a Super Bowl. He outscored... Patrick Mahomes on Monday Night Football in that 54-51 mm. game. Yeah. You know, so Goff can throw the ball. Like mm. this whole thing about Goff's dink and dunk, it's, that's not true. Goff has got an arm, but yeah. something has happened with him and McVay that, you know, that, that it's obviously just blown their relationship to bits because 2019 mm. Goff and 2020 was painful. So the yeah. question is, can they, get, can they get him back? Can they, you know, work out how to scheme him? Um, and and how to kind of like set him up for success. The, mm. the biggest problem for me is our wide receiver room looks like a bit of a dumpster fire because we've gone mm. from Golden Tate, Kenny Golladay, Marvin Jones Jr. And now we've mm. got like Brashard Perriman, Tyrell Williams. I mean, it's, you know, this, mm. it's gone downhill pretty rapidly. Yeah. Which doesn't help your QB situation at all. You know, he's he's definitely going to be judged on the sort of the lack of talent elsewhere. But look, sometimes it's um if you're coming from a low expectation base, you can really surprise. I'm not I don't know why people are so down on Goff either, because as you said, I mean, we've seen the capability and the mm-hmm. potential there, right? So look, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a Lions fan. So you want to be excited about your team. Of course, you're going to get frustrated and you have paper bags on your head and you hate the losing seasons and everything <laughs> else like that. But with a revamp coaching system, a revamp quarterback and all that kind of stuff. It was just a shame that you just had to lose Matt Stafford. I don't know if it was yourself I was talking and just sort of commiserated about it because I was like, you know, an incredible player. And I think it's only the people in the NFC North that got punished by Matt Stafford and what he could do. Um, even And I tell you what, he proved himself after Megatron left, you know, just this sort of the way he was spreading the ball around an awful lot more. He became less one-dimensional. Um, just a fantastic player and a massive loss. But I hope Goff does work out for you because it's always good to have good competitive divisional games. It's never nice yeah. when you see the Lions go like zero wins. That's horrible for the fan base and for the league, you know? I think that the thing that's kind of quite bittersweet is that we've probably got the best offensive line that we've had mm. that probably like that Stafford never really like had. Um, yeah. With like Ragnow and now Saul that we've just picked um, mm. and Taylor Deck. I mean, we've got like a formidable like, basis of the O-line there. And I think mm. with Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson, yeah. DeAndre Swift is going to be really promising in, you know, this season. So, on the ground and on the O-line, there's a lot of weapons there. It's just how does Goff do with the kind of like makeshift wide receiver room? And, you know, are we kind of just using Goff as a bridge? Because we've got all this draft capital now, obviously, and staff mm. trade. So I think, I think that's going to be really interesting how that plays out. But um, I, th- yeah. I, I think there's, there's such a big buzz from Lions fans that we just don't have Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn yeah. anymore. I think that is an instant morale boost because it, yeah. it was just really bad football and it was also like you know the coach speak and the the 
pound shop mm. Patriots stick that, that they did. It was embarrassing as a franchise. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, it's bad for morale. That's a toxic locker room. And eventually, sure, I heard Matt Patricia used to show up late for meetings and he was like his disheveled appearance and stuff like that. But look, um, sort of, I don't know, a little bit of tidbit of information you and your fans uh, might like. Jamal Williams, his biggest improvement, which is why no one expected him to, to leave Green Bay, his biggest improvement this year was his hands. He went away in the offseason and got really good at pass catching because that's something that he needed to improve on. Not much because he wasn't used really in that game, but that's somewhere where he really excelled. And in fact, when I was getting in March to do giveaways for, for Air Guys, I got in a couple of Jamal Williams items because I was just, I assumed he was going to stick around because Aaron Jones would be priced mm-hmm. out and Jamal Williams would be a fantastic back, a number one backer, share the, the load with AJ Dillon. So you have a good player in him. So if Goff needs to get his feet wet with a bit of dink and dunk with some screens, with some dump offs, Jamal Williams is going to be his man. He's going to be there. And like, who else do you need but Hawkinson as well as a tight end, a big bodied receiver in the middle of the field? I think he's be just fine if he's struggling a bit in wide receiver. And look, if not, you have even more draft capital to build for the future, if that yeah. be at wide receiver, you know. So I don't know. It's it's nice to be excited about your team. You know? so, yeah, no, absolutely. So let, we, we've kind of talked about all the teams in the NFC North. So let's, let's get your predictions now. So give me mm. your top to bottom win-loss record, starting with first place. Packers, and I reckon we've went, 13 and three so we've lost three games i reckon we lose three or four 17 game season of course so i'd say shock no one likes ties let's not go there so i reckon we lose probably four or five of those games and i think we come out top next being the vikings because uh, as much as people are giving out about them i think their defense they've matured a bit um so i reckon they come in next i reckon they're probably 10 win team the bears they'll heat up with about a 10 win as well i would imagine i think fields will 10 wins for the bears i think so i think they have enough on defense to to sort of prop stuff up and i think as well that fields probably is i'm gonna eat my words here and i'm a packers fan by the way yeah complimenting bears but i think he'll hold up enough and surprise people i think to to get the job done i think the best second the best secondary is absolutely appalling this year they've lost their best um cornerback they've got They've got Desmond Trufon from us, who mm. was absolute garbage. So I, I just think for all the, the, how they've progressed on offense, I'm just worried about that secondary. Yeah, it depends on how they play, right? So I think at the, if Fields is lights out and starts banging up points, well, then obviously the defense can play with reckless abandon. They can sort of pin the rears back, which is where the strength on the team will then lie. Now, of course, if it gets into garbage time, garbage throws where they're under pressure and the quarterback's just airing that thing out. But the majority of quarterbacks, even Tom Brady, can't take that type of pressure. So that's that's what the Bears probably have going for them. I'm going to say they're fighting it out with the, the Vikings for that number uh-huh. two team. Maybe that's being too generous, as you say, to the Bears. Um, mm. And again, the Lions, I don't know, like you guys could really pull some stuff out. You know more than I do. Um, but again, I don't think you're going to be as bad as people are making out, but I don't think you're going to be contending for the second spot either. But um. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty messy down the bottom. I, I, I don't like to say this the strength of schedule get out, but we do have <laughs> we do have a horrible schedule this year. So I'm yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of down for like five and twelve. Mm. Yeah. More okay. draft capital build for the future on you go. Yeah. It's just it's it's nice to see the reality of it all. And look, you can it can only be up from there, right? You can only be sort of pleasantly surprised if you go and do better. Yeah, and, and this is so. this is about for us, this is about next year and the year after. Because yeah, you know, no matter what they said about this isn't a rebuild, this this is a fucking rebuild. Oh, oh of course it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so well, Steve Diddy, you've you've been brutally honest about the Lions to finish. But um I really <laughs> appreciate the chat. I think um Really, really interesting to get your take on on Rogers. 
Um, and um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be like a really interesting season. And I don't know mm. about you, but I'm just going to be so pleased to see the fans back in the stadium. Yeah, same. And we'll be there in November as well, hopefully, if uh, Biden lets us into the country. So uh, that'll be nice. And if uh, your Lions fans want any insight into the Packers, they can go across to the UK Packers podcast. Of course, it's more comedy than stuff. Yeah. We've got a nice little blend in there. And of course, we're going to drag your ass on as well to talk all things Lions when our matchup comes on. Uh, I'm sure you will. And uh, give us the rundown then and we'll see where everyone lays. Looking forward to that. And tell, just tell us briefly about your Packers trip this year. What, what, what games you're going to see? Uh, week 10, Seahawks, and um, we're going over to see a Badgers game before that on the Saturday. So we're flying into Chicago O'Hare, um, and then we're driving up to Madison, and we're spending the night there, and then an early game on Saturday, tailgating super early, why not? Mm-hmm. And then driving up to Green Bay uh, Saturday night, uh, the game on Sunday, and then staying for a little bit longer as well. We've player meets, we've signings, and all that kind of stuff. And it actually sold out for the first time this year. Usually we don't sort of put limited tickets on it because mm-hmm. it can go up towards 50 people. Uh, but it was such in high demand that we actually had to make a cutoff. Um, so it's the most we've ever had as well, which is going to be really exciting. So, um, yeah, we do it every year. COVID, as you know, sort of derails stuff. Uh, but we'd also be having meet around the UK as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, uh, it's very early doors, but we're uh, partnering with a chain. Um, in the UK to have meetups all around the UK, uh, Ireland, Scotland, um, I know Scotland, Wales, including the UK, but people get kind of annoyed when I don't uh, mention them individually, Isle of Man. Um, so yeah, we're having meetups around there as well. So uh, open for a joint meetup if you know, air well, fans well, are quite ruly. So if you I mean, just want to like let, let us know in advance where you're going to be, then we'll get the guys with oh, the flower, flower and the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Do the drive voice. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe we won't invite just then. Yeah, that's probably uh-huh. Have, have a great trip thank you very much for coming on it's been great to talk to you um this has been Royal the lions um please if you like this episode hit us up on our youtube like this episode facebook twitter you know the rest thank you again steve diddy it's been fantastic thanks a lot cheers